The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the 24th chapter. Jesus stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. The Gospel of the Lord. By the time St. Luke, Luke wrote the gospel story that we just heard, most of the eyewitnesses to Jesus' resurrection had already died. And so Luke was really writing to a group of people who had the same basic question that we do today. If Jesus is raised from the dead, then how will we know him when we see him? And in addressing that, Luke doesn't give us a long list of things to look for. Instead, the evangelist gives us three stories, three post-resurrection stories that invite us into the experience of those first eyewitnesses, the first men and women who saw Jesus immediately after he was raised from the dead. And in the story we just heard, there is common ground right away. Instead of meeting a group of perfect people who recognize Jesus right away, we meet a group of people who are filled with fear and with doubt and with confusion, like we so often are. Even when he's standing right in front of them, these first eyewitnesses don't see Jesus for who he is, which prompts him to say, why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Clearly, it is up to Jesus to make himself known to them. And he does it in a surprising way. Instead of saying, look into my eyes or look at my face, Jesus says, look at my hands and look at my feet and see that it is I myself. In other words, Look at my scars. Look at the part of me that has been wounded. The part of me that has passed through suffering. And then know that I am truly Jesus and not just a product of your imagination. It isn't the way we usually present ourselves to others. More often than not, 
we do the exact opposite, in fact. In our efforts to show people who we are, we do our best to hide our scars and to disguise our vulnerability. Whether it's on social media or any other form of public exposure, we usually try to put ourselves forward in the best possible way. Instead of saying, look at my scars, we use pictures and stories and even body language to say, look at how well I'm doing. So why does Jesus lead with this invitation to see his scars? Part of the answer, I believe, can be found in the story of a man who was remembered around the world last week. His commemoration coincides with the day in April that he died at Flossenburg concentration camp in Germany. When the Nazis gained power in his home country, Dietrich Bonhoeffer left a very safe and sheltered life in the United States to return home and to stand in solidarity with all who opposed that evil threat. After being arrested for his opposition to Hitler, Bonhoeffer was held in captivity with countless others who suffered under the brutality of an increasingly arrogant and defiant Nazi regime. Just before he was executed on April 9th in 1945, a small scrap of paper was taken out of Bonhoeffer's cell by a sympathetic guard. And on it, Bonhoeffer had written, only the suffering God can help. Only the suffering God can help. He knew firsthand what so many others had experienced ahead of him. In the darkness of his own suffering, he knew that the only God who could help was the God who knew suffering firsthand and who bore the scars to prove it. At the same time, another German by the name of Jürgen Multmann was being held in a prisoner of war camp in the British Isles. And unlike Bonhoeffer, he was not attached to any faith tradition. And he really at that time had no desire to know God. But then in the darkness of his suffering, he had a surprising revelation. Writing about it later, Multmann said, I began to understand the assailed Jesus because I felt he understood me in my God-forsakenness. I began to see him as the divine brother in distress who takes prisoners with him on the way to resurrection and life. I began to summon up the courage to live again, seized by a great hope. That seems to be consistent with the reaction of Jesus' disciples in this gospel story today. At first, they were frightened and full of doubt. But when Jesus showed them his scars, a spirit of joy was commingled with all of their other emotions. They not only saw him for who he was, but they saw him as a living witness to the power of God that brings all of us through suffering into resurrected life. The books that 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Jürgen Moltmann wrote about this suffering God who takes us with him on the way to resurrection and life. Set those two apart as some of the most influential theologians of the 20th century. And their witness continues to bless and challenge us today. When I read their descriptions of what it means to be followers of this crucified and risen Lord, I'm reminded of a more contemporary author and theologian named Henri Nouwen. In his book called The Wounded Healer, he writes, nobody escapes being wounded. We are all wounded people, whether physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. The main question is not how can we hide our wounds so that we don't have to be embarrassed, but how can we put our woundedness to the service of others? And then Nouwen adds, when our wounds cease to be a source of shame and become a source of healing, then we too become wounded healers. Maybe that's what Jesus had in mind when he said, you are witnesses of these things. In the Greek language of the New Testament, the word for witness can be literally translated as martyr, which means that the two really are inseparable. So what would it look like if we led with our scars instead of trying to show everyone that all is well with us? I can answer that question because I've seen people do it on countless occasions here. Among other things, I have seen it in every course of faith journey gatherings that I have hosted here. As soon as trust is established, even on the first day together, I'm moved by the way that people tell the truth about who they are, including the scars. And that invites other people into that same space. It brings to mind something else that Henri Nouwen wrote about our lives together. He says, when we honestly ask ourselves which people in our lives mean the most to us, we often find that it is those who, instead of giving advice or solutions or cures, have chosen rather to share our pain and to touch our wounds with warm and gentle hands. In the end, I think it really is all about our shared vulnerability, which Jesus acknowledges also when he says, have you anything here to eat? In other words, he isn't only scarred, he's hungry, and he's not ashamed to ask his friends for generosity. And then the meal they share is reminiscent of a time when a young boy offered just a few fish, and Jesus in turn shared them with thousands of hungry people. In our gospel story today, the numbers were much smaller, but the experience of communion, I think, was the same. It was a simple act, but when Jesus expressed his own hunger, invited hospitality, and then accepted nourishment, 
he was inviting his estranged disciples back into communion with him. And something powerful happens in our lives whenever we dare to acknowledge our hunger to one another, to show our scars in honest and open ways. When we do that, our pretend world dissolves and the reality of our independence and our shared experience turns our fearful separation also into joyful communion. Communion as human beings, as children of God, and as witnesses to this living presence of Jesus Christ in each other. To this day, this is how we will know Jesus when we see him. And for that I say, thanks be to God. Amen. If you have prayer cards, you may just hold them up during the song and the ushers will come and gather them.